Welcome to Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie to determine if an album, band, or even entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of its time. Like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refuses to die. And per the usual, I am joined by a couple of guys who really push my fuck buttons. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Oh. Me? Overboard. That's you know. It's your cue. <laughs> hey, you I'm pushing my butt. I'm Noah, and I got the power of the dog. <laughs> and I'm your producer, Adrian, and I've lived in bars and danced on tables. Ooh, I've seen him. I've seen him do it. <laughs> and I'm your host, Caleb, a bona fide cat daddy. Meow. Ooh, meow. Meow. <laughs> do you remember when? Uh, Sam Elliott went off on the power of the dog. Yeah. yeah. He's like, why the hell is he wearing chaps the whole time? That's not the Cowboys take their chaps off. I read a transcript of his uh, complaints. He's like, it weren't a Western. That guy was splitting hairs. Let's just put that. The movie was many things, but it weren't a Western. Because I wasn't, (laughs) because I wasn't casting it. Ipso facto, it ain't no Western because I didn't get a job out of it. I so mean, he kind of has a point, but you know, blow your role, Mister. Yeah, uh, two well, first names from Pasadena, California. No, okay, he's, boomer. He's from Sacramento. Oh, Sac. Yeah. Well, Sac's more of a cow. It's a little more cow. Yeah, it's a little more cow. He's probably lived in Pasadena for longer than he ever lived <laughs> Pasadena, in Pasadena. It weren't a western. Weren't <laughs> his whole it weren't was not a this movie should have been a completely different movie yeah and anytime <laughs> yeah, somebody is saying that movie's not good or critiquing a movie and just saying it's not good because it wasn't this movie then you're just like what you don't have a point you don't have any valid criticism like and Marion was just kind of trying to be all nice about it he's like i mean but wasn't like interesting with the guy he was like yeah, playing he, a cowboy. Tried so hard. <laughs> yeah. he was like giving like three or four outs like yeah. you know but okay it's, it's good right like and then he's just like ah, you know i can't stand that shit <clears throat> it weren't a wash <laughs> all right oh boy i can't wait to hear that four more times well, why are we talking about power of the dog how did that i, I set it up dog? just so i could do my sam elliott <laughs> oh, you're just working backwards. <laughs> <laughs> smart i'm out yeah, yeah. I guess cat, dog. All right, let's go. Toilet. Hyper speed. This episode we got today, <laughs> episode number thirty nine. Yep, thirty nine. That's right. We got a couple Anything things for thirty nine. It's okay. uh, the age you may or may not be turning this year. Mm. Uh, Whoa! Uh, and turning for the next five years. Am I right? Yep. Hey. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, 39 steps of course uh alfred hitchcock classic. yeah i was trying to remember if i seen an that english one. john of his or I is can't that call i think it's so. on the cusp yeah. i think it's one of his last uh english johns that makes sense and it's based on a play i think he did a silent version of that film that's right yes he made remade his versions. own right yeah, yeah. that's hitchcock's cool. silent films he made like 20 there's only like three or four that you can actually watch yeah the lodger is the shit if you ever get a chance yeah, the lodger, sure. yeah. is that with may west 
Ah, uh, yeah. Or is Mae West in that? Does she go come to my room, honey? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think, think so. Since it's the silent, of another Mae West movie <laughs> called The Something. Mae yeah. West is the shit. She's funny. I did but rewatch I'll... Psycho recently. Shit holds up real good. That movie is really good, except it shits the bed when the dude does all the exposition at the end. Oh, I know. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Like, I kind of. I don't think I... it's it's bad, but it's just like it's such a of its time. But in, in it's context, so... Caleb, there was just... so many uh, psychiatries weird movies where they yeah, explain yeah, what psychiatry <laughs> totally i don't know like alfred hitchcock ultimately went, you know he was broad so it's like it's not out of place but it's just like even for that time it seemed a little yeah that's in my top little, five yeah. that's in my top five movies oh yeah psycho, movie. psycho? oh shit yeah, yeah. but also uh it's a cure song 39 it's on a blood flowers oh yeah shout, shout out, out. Charles Which Born. one is Blood Flowers? What is that? I think it's 90s? a nineties one. Yeah, it's a little I bit definitely later. we definitely listen to that in the Bone Camaro. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think it has more kind of like I don't know. Cool. Is that one of the more rockers, or is that one of the more spacey ones? I can't recall. I think it's like a little more more romantic, spacey, a little more Euro right. trashy. Well, it's taking us thirty nine steps to introduce the <laughs> yeah. album that we've done. <laughs> what do we got for episode thirty nine? Pure thirty nine, baby. Set us up. We have Cat Power, Meow. the greatest from the year 2006. Hell yeah. Hell of a year. That's the name Hell of the album, yeah. not the. this is our greatest episode. It the might greatest. be this. The greatest of all times. Do people still get away with doing Muhammad Ali impersonations <laughs> still yeah. casually? I don't know. I think it's better that you do one from earlier in his life than his later life, <laughs> yes. which would be completely I... insensitive. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> a couple yeah. different tips, but anyways. Adrian, give us a review. Yeah. So this one actually surprised me a bit. I thought it would be a little higher, but Pitchfork, our pals over at Pitchfork, gave this a 7.9. It did not receive a best new music. <laughs> and it was reviewed by Amy Phillips. It's interesting actually that you that were kind of you know, I mean, it's a joke for the cat call, but it's like this is kind of um, this this review is a little I don't know. I don't think that it would be written the same way today. I think there would be more sensitivity around some of the things it talks about. It's it's not that it's sexist or anything. It's just it's like it's, it's got, a takedown of both cat power and Nora Jones at the same yeah, time. Right. Exactly. It's like <laughs> Nora Jones just getting, you know, sideswiped over here. It's like, what? Yeah. She's, yeah, she's like a yeah. Is Nora collateral Jones collateral damage baby? on this review? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ravi. Yeah. Ravi Shankar. But yeah, she didn't yeah. grow up with them. She like I can't listen to her. No Nepo babies. <laughs> barely knew them. I only listen to Nepo cousins. It's my my preference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyways, I pulled a few, so I pulled three different little snippets here. Hopefully they hang together. We'll see what happens in the end here, but uh, bear with me, folks. Uh, here we go. The dirty little secret about Sean Marshall is that she may actually have her shit together. As a recent Heart Magazine interview pointed out, in between Marshall's musings on interest rates, real estate, and finances, she spent the past decade building a successful career without even employing a manager. It's a feat that few, if any, of her contemporaries have been able to pull off. And given that, at this very moment, a significant portion of the indie music world is salivating for tomorrow's release of the seventh Cat Power record, it would seem she's pulled it off quite well. The Greatest was recorded in Memphis with several of the, that city's veteran studio musicians serving as her backing band. 
including Mabon Teeny Hodges on guitar, his brother Leroy Blick Hodges on bass, and Steve Potts on drums. These soul legends have played with Al Green, Booker T and the MGs, Aretha Franklin, Neil Young, and more. In other words, they don't seem like the kind of dudes who would stand much tortured diva bullshit from some no-name white girl off Matador Records. Meow. These are the first... These are first-rate professionals, and their contr contributions, a far cry from those of Steve Shelley in 33 or even Eddie Vedder and Dave Grohl, add as much of the album as they detract. The biggest challenge of this album isn't going to be commercial success. The difficult part will be proving to longtime fans that Sean Marshall is the one in control here. She's made an album that, for the most part, is polished and accessible. For better or worse, she stretched her musical horizons far beyond the close-knit indie rock world, a world that likely doesn't want her to change. Like... I don't know. It's kind of Projecting a much. Yeah, it's it's kind the of world a weird. Doesn't want her to change. Sounds like this reviewer wants her exactly. to make the same album over and over. Did it's, I miss it... that Eddie Vedder's on this album? No, something? he was. He's on. You are free, and then they uh, okay. they recorded some yeah, stuff later Girls on. Too. on there too. Yeah. Um, ah, I see. It's kind of a weird review. It's like hot and cold on it. It praises a few of the songs and stuff, but like it, you know, it, it brings up a few key points, mainly that, you know, Cat Power, Sean Marshall, it's one of those band plus the it's the eponymous band, but also the name of the artist, like kind of a Sade, but Sade is actually her name. Uh, anyways, so Cat Power was, you know, mainly known for like at this point, soft, folky songs, but also for like her stage presence, which was often like shaky anxious she would talk to people in the audience she would you know walk off stage um and she's kind of notorious for that and i think it in if this was written now i think there would be much more kindness around like that aspect of her you know whatever yeah. was going on you know whether it's alcohol problems or anxiety issues or whatever mental you know um mental problems that she's had was having at the time i think there would be more sensitivity around that uh, I think this one's kind of just, yeah, it, it almost feels like it's basically saying like, well, we're the indie rock girl. Why aren't you making indie rock records? What yeah. are you trying to do with this stay, Memphis stay stuff? in your place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, maybe we can kind of jump into like. But that's like so funny because I feel like, and maybe I'm not placing it right era wise, but it wasn't that the era of like everyone kind of was doing a country album? Yeah, kind of a little bit. I think that era is now, Caleb. Yeah. Like, well, I feel like there was that's a, the pattern. But I feel like Come back around, then, yeah. too, in the aughts, the mid aughts to late aughts, you know, yeah, Jack White doing their, yeah, doing their like Sweetheart of the Rodeo or whatever, yeah. you know. But that's mm -hmm. the expectation now for a lot of indie song, song trisses that uh, make kind of raw girl and guitar. Uh, yeah couple albums and then they do like a full-blown country album like you see that mm -hmm. now all the time angel olsen waxahachie like a bunch of people that's kind of like a path that people mm -hmm. follow now i think mm -hmm. she's a little ahead of the curve yeah i mean i'm here for it i was just i was sure. just, it's just kind of it's a weird critique if like a lot of other people are doing it you don't seem to have a problem with yeah, like it's, the well, decemberist that, making the a country album like or whatever a, the fuck a sellout kind of argument that, that doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Just, it's such a weird way to sell out is to like go to Ardent <laughs> Studios and right. like work with, with a bunch of jobbers, like, like like old Memphis dudes. That's okay, right? Yeah, I that's mean, really, I, you know, playing to the crowd. It is kind of that the mid, like that that's to 2006 specifically. Like it's almost like there's kind of a 
a shift right there, right? Like by 2007, like indie rock bands are doing commercials. Like things are changing rapidly. Like the internet's blowing up. Like, and I think this is like, maybe she did get like a little ding for doing it. Maybe a little bit of head of everyone else or Mm -hmm. doing, and because she's a woman, you know, like were they dinging Jack White for doing a Loretta Lynn, you know, Loretta Lynn record or whatever? Probably not. They're probably, you know, praising him for doing Loretta Lynn for doing a, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Or like Jack White doing exactly. weird like blues man voice. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I see you. I hear you, Jack White. I know what you're doing with the we'll do like, a white stripes soon. Yeah, we well, we'll to. get to that. We we'll should do a, a a trifecta, like a, a three album of them, maybe one day. Mm, a trilogy? Yeah, a trilogy one. We gotta do icky thump. That's what I'm talking about. His um, R&B voice or whatever. Yeah, he kinda, right. What was Cat Powers' yeah. deal, Caleb? Yeah. What? So well, I mean, yeah, we touched on it. You know, you're the, the expert, bro. You're the cat. <laughs> well, like, what was the what was the pigeonhole? What's her name? Phillips is trying to put her in. Yeah, you know, she's like songstress, singer, songwriter, indie folk, yeah. indie folk. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, she's also kind of been lumped in. Just big by the nature of her lyrics and kind of just the melancholy yeah. nature of music. She's a little, she's a little kind of like, you know, the queen of sad core. Well, she came of, out of a, a kind of a New York kind of noisy kind of indie mm-hmm. folk, which was his own yeah. brand in the early, early mm-hmm. 2000s, like mm-hmm. 99, 2000. Well, even yeah. before that, and they're in the, because she signed a, to yeah, this is her Matador in 96. She was, yeah. she okay, yeah. put her first couple records Yeah. 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 So she was definitely part of that scene. I think she's probably part of the lineage. You could probably put her up there with Liz Fair and some of the Riot Girl stuff yeah. in terms of like things that was going on. She took a more folksy, you know, folksy kind of slow, more slow pace, more mid tempo kind of mm. uh, take on it. Yeah. And then, but she had been evolving, you know. Certainly, I think by the time she hits "You Are Free," which is essentially an indie rock record, straight up, like you yeah. know, it's definitely. Uh, has those vibes of her earlier records, but she's t- trying new things. She's trying to, she's rocking out a little bit more, you know? Um, and then, so it's not surprising that the shift here to like full on, like forming a band and having this, you know, class, you know, this, this sort of classic warm sound and, this, and these Memphis guys, who, like you said, like they've been around forever. They've played with literally everyone. I mean, I have a list here that I'll go over in the album background, but they, you know, these guys had been around, man, and like played with a lot of different artists, not just like sold R&B artists, but like, yeah, Neil Young or guys like that who are like, you know, doing other things and rock and, rock and roll guys and shit. So, um, you know, I don't, and I, I, it, it's an interesting trajectory for sure. If you compare something like Neo Moon Picks or the covers record to to some of her later stuff, yeah. uh, you can see how she grew and as a songwriter. And but one thing I think that carries through this her entire kind of career is just like she's a very vulnerable songwriter and like very like I don't know. It's uh, she wears her heart on her sleeve in in a way. It's you know very open and it's it it's really works with her voice too. That kind of smoky sultry thing. Yeah. yeah. Smoky think, vocals as opposed to lame, smoky vocal. breathy vocal. <laughs> yeah. Smoky vocal. Or, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she, you know, I think that this is a great evolution of her sound. I think she at this point was probably on the top of her game in the sense of her career wise. But yeah, she was, she was, you know, she was battling a few things prior to this. And I think this was this record. Certainly you, if you listen, you know, read the lyrics, it does sound like she's working through things and uh, some things are coming to a head for her. So 
Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting kind of um, pivot record. Maybe not a pivot record, but it's an interesting next step for her. Uh, yeah. And certainly yeah. she would, she would expand and you know do more things in her next few records, self-record and things like that. But this was an I interesting think, one. Yeah. I think her voice, the way she phrases her lyrics and songs is a huge influence on what mm-hmm. a lot of people to this day go yeah. for. Like I'll watch like the voice that show the singing competition show. And is that the one with the, the rotating chairs? Yeah, the rotating chairs. Okay, you we get should a turn, do that. Four, t- four <laughs> turns, but they'll they'll describe certain singers as like you have that indie voice where it's being mm. kind of lilting, kind of a little curious, a little froggy, little untraditional, kind of yeah, yeah. smoky, kind of like Sandoval, kind of kind of uh, jazzy, yep. you know, yeah. cat, cat kind of like break things up a little bit. Yeah, cat yeah. powers doing like a stretch it out. Yeah. Cat Power is doing like a kind of Billie Holiday-esque like jazz yeah. singer via mm-hmm. kind of country indie music. And a lot of people channel that now. Well, it's interesting. Your... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Caleb. You got like your LDRs and you got your... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. BEs. Yeah, Lana Del Rey for sure. Yeah. Kind of yeah. over her. Yeah. Um, but I mean, when you... Like, because uh, I was just reading like on some of her like background, she... Grew up listening to like her stepdad's record collection, which is like, you know, all the classics, Otis Redding, Credence, Rolling Stones, probably all the stuff that we grew up check, listening to. Check, check, But yes, then please. later on, you know, she got into stuff like Black Flag and, um, you know, and other funkier stuff like Sister Sledge and Barry White. And then she got into like the Smiths and the Cure and Susie and the Banshees. And like when you put all of those things together, like it yeah. makes sense, right? Like mm-hmm. this, there's this kind of a classicness to it, but there's also this yeah. kind of edge. You know um, what her deal was? And she the was cool. She's a cool girl. <laughs> She's cool. Yeah, she She's got cool. good taste. She's yeah. real cool. <laughs> She's got good taste. And uh, yeah. I don't know how good Music. a taste she has, though, if she's following me on Twitter. Uh, oh, that's what you yeah. buried. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a uh, well, she's a she's a MUFO. We might have a voicemail coming up. So <laughs> I reached out. Yeah. She didn't get back to me. Yeah. Um, no, she's, she's one of two uh, music artists that follow me. And the other is. Uh, Take any guesses on the other one? Musical uh, artist. Wynn Butler. No, I'll give you a hint. They're from New Zealand. Uh, the Ruby Suns guy. <laughs> no, that wouldn't surprise me, though. Put, put, yeah. a, put a pin in that. We gotta no, do that it's the... Uh, Architecture to Helsinki. <laughs> oh, I wish. I'm from New Zealand. Uh, let me guess. Uh, what's his name? Um, Dave Kilgore. Rest in peace. Flying Nun. <laughs> the oh, Flying God, Nun. If anyone from Flying Nun... No, no, it was uh, are the Sykes, the Sykesters themselves, uh, UMO, uh, un- was it uh, Universal Mortal Orchestra or whatever the oh, hell? Oh yeah, yeah, oh uh, yeah. They cool. they rule actually. Head They're out. pretty good. Um, cool. get them on the pod. Yeah. Dang Anyways, man. sorry for that diversion. I gotta, I gotta follow you on Twitter. I gotta get a Twitter to follow you. <laughs> oh, so you can read me complaining about. Muni five uh, years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the bug and Flodan are still following us on Twitter. Yeah, so. they might be our only followers. At this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, huge. this is actually a perfect segue. Hey, We're people, huge follow in us. West London. <laughs> yeah, follow us at all our socials For at Wacker Slaps. That's on Instagram, Twitter, email, Letterbox. Is this the end of the show? No, no, no. <laughs> job, I've, been, uh, I've been trying to drop, uh, kind of, you know, hype in the show mid-show quarter way through 
just you know you never know when people drop off from listening yeah, yeah give them little bumps it's just it's a little uh it's a little uh trade craft all right yeah, well i, I think we've covered we'll get what her deal is right she's an indie goddess come on yeah one of the bigger names in indie rock definitely and especially at this point she was pretty big and so i, I, I some... first heard of her as giovanni rubishi's uh ex oh he stated a lot of uh Indies, indie type girls, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a weird guy. It's Scientology. Yeah, I don't know. He's twitchy. He's a twitchy guy. <laughs> yeah. What was that a Amazon show he had that like would not go off the air? Oh yeah, uh, Pete. Yeah, Sneaky Pete. Pete. Oh no, no. <laughs> that was like fourteen <laughs> seasons or something. Twitchy Pete. <laughs> I think it's Sneaky Pete. Anyways, I watched Anyhow. like five episodes of that. <laughs> That's like four too many. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out I don't like TV all that much. No, <laughs> it's tedious. <laughs> T and TV stands for tedious viewing. God, uh, give me another American season, please. <laughs> I'm dying over here. It's <laughs> the kind of stuff you can see on our Twitter. Oh boy, indeed. <laughs> um. Anyway, should I get into some album background? I don't have yeah. much, so oh, we can yeah. uh, kind of breeze through this. Yeah. Um. So. The Greatest was recorded in May of 2005 at Arden Studios in Memphis, Tennessee. It was produced by Stuart Sykes, who had also worked with Modest Mouse and The Walkman, as well as the aforementioned Van Leer Rose. All of the songs were written by Sean Marshall, and this is her first record without any cover songs. She was pretty well known for doing a lot of cool and interesting covers, uh, and she still does that. I was just listening to her Across the Sea cover. Very, uh, very, very melancholy. Classic. Uh, I was just listening to her. Uh, that has like cover. 40 million. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Spotify. Well, it was on some soundtrack or something, right? Probably had a bunch. Anyhow, uh, the record fe- features the Memphis Rhythm Band, um, which is uh, the band that she put together, which includes Roy Brewer, Teeny Hodges, Steve Potts, Dave Smith, Rick Steff, Doug Easley, Jim Spake, Scott Thompson, and Susan Marshall. And these are all Memphis types, you know, Memphis musicians who'd been around, played on tons of records, records that we've all heard and loved. String arrangements were contributed by Harlan T. Bobo, great name, and yeah. John- Jonathan Kirksey. The record was released by Matador Records. Uh, the, you know, we've talked about them before. Major, Friends of the major show. indie, uh, <laughs> indeed. Uh, Matador Records on January twentieth, two thousand six. It is Cat Power's seventh studio album. Uh, after the release and success of her previous album "You Are Free" in early two thousand three, Cat Power went on an extensive touring run through Europe, Brazil, the U.S., and Australia. And it was during this time that uh, she kind of got known for those erratic and unpredictable performances. Uh, a 2003 article from The New Yorker suggests it is foolhardy to describe a Cat Power event as a concert, citing rambling confessions and talking to a friend's baby from the stage. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing you would go see um, at a Cat Power show at that time. Uh, that yeah. sells it for me. I have a, a friend that had a cat power live show incident thing happened to her i think cat power played like pozo or something you know that venue out there oh is that it's out not there, Pappy and Harry, it's the other lopez one right Lakeway. by lopez lake yeah 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 what's it called uh, uh, i think it's called yeah, the pozo lounge or something i think yeah, it was there like but it was our old friend Lorene, uh mm-hmm. classic santa maria bartender santa maria bartender <laughs> um <laughs> 
but she was there and cat power was having like a breakdown on stage crying she's like somebody bring me a drink and my friend Lorene jumped on stage gave her like a gin and tonic and then they like made out whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. that's a wild story that's crazy that so this was this was before uh, the uh, this would have been power right guy. around like 2006 yeah. like when cat power that's you know, that's a perfect segue. bottle yeah. It's a perfect segue here because my next note is Marshall later attributed this behavior to issues with alcohol. So, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. I'm sure it's probably one of those things where, like, she already was an anxious person. She drank the alcohol to deal with that and then just compounded everything. And, and thus you have, you know, messiness on stage. I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, none of us have ever As embarrassed ourselves being drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. uh, this is a teetoler podcast. <laughs> In October of 04, Matador released a live DVD featuring Sean Marshall performing in the woods with her guitar, and it included an accompanying CD with an 18-minute song featuring M. Ward, and that was sort of the last music before uh, this record. So the next year, in May of 2005, as mentioned before, she convened all those Memphis studio musicians who... Uh, I didn't mention the bands they were a part of, but they included members of Booker T and the MGs and Al Green's band. Um, It was recorded at the legendary Ardent Studios in Memphis, uh, which is, you know, so many classic records recorded there. Led Zeppelin recorded there, Leon Russell, James Taylor, a lot of Stax artists, including Isaac Hayes, Sam and Dave, the Staple Singers, Don Nix, the Bar Kays, Booker T and the MGs, uh, Big Stars, Third Third Sister Lovers is recorded there, which is a huge, huge indie touchdown and one of my favorites, oh, yeah. um, as well as parts of uh, ZZ Top's Trace Ombrace. Uh, a little, East, little uh, hint there. Did uh, mm-hmm. Dusty and Memphis record there? Dusty Springfield or no? Is that a different? I don't. I think that stacks that was, proper. I think that was too. a different one yeah i didn't find yeah. anything about that but um i'm not you might have to double check on that if you guys yeah. anyone out there knows send us an email and we'll get that correction uh out there whacker slaps at gmail.com yeah those uh caleb those uh the al green that rhythm section the two brothers they're the hodges so, the hodges yeah they're so fucking good yeah anything they're on if you're ever like flipping through records or you see some random whatever blues or r&b record if they're the the rhythm section you should buy it agreed it's, yeah it's good or if you're ever like looking for like music documentaries to watch on um like amazon has it like way too many and i'm not <laughs> saying these guys have been featured in it but anytime they interview those sessions players like guys who mm-hmm. play like otis redding old like you know uh snacks or motown guys muscle show they're like the most comfortingly boring people because they just talk about like, it's like the minutia the of the yeah. recording process. So, yeah, well, do... I brought my Telecaster. And, yeah, yeah, but they uh, do we it with so much like Studio spirit. B. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're so engaged with the material, but it's just like, yeah, it's just like, low yeah, it's always like, shit. it's like, it's always like, yeah, he came, uh, you know, he, he was sitting in the corner, he plugged in his amp and uh, yeah. started playing this, and little, started playing this little thing. Yeah. And so I, I found my way to the drum set and then yeah. I started playing this little thing. And then next thing you know, <laughs> yeah. and then they talk about how they wrote like 18 number one hits. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be the friend of the show, Patrick. He, for some reason, had this DVD of this Otis Redding, like, like DVD biography thing. And like, those like his sessions players his backing band those guys were so charming but just like had nothing to say it was the best well otis was good comfort watching otis redding was a session 
uh, yeah. backup vocalist for years for yeah. uh, Stax. And then uh, Hendrix was his backing guy, right? For a little bit as well. Yeah. Well, they yeah. toured together. Yeah. Good All shit. right. Enough rock history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so to, to cap this off, the record was critically acclaimed upon release and it debuted at number 34 on the Billboard 200, which oh, pretty good, out. pretty good. Uh, it was at the time, it was Cat Power's highest charting album. So I think she's surpassed that with later records, but uh, I'm not positive where those ones landed. But at the time, that was the highest. And as of 2009, it's sold about 125,000 copies with 23,000 copies being sold in the first week. So pretty good. Pretty good for an it's indie rock record. A lot of, moving a lot of units. Moving a lot of units. The Greatest uh, won the 2006 Shortlist Music Prize. And that was the first time a woman won the honor, which is kind of telling it was yeah, 2006 i don't know when that <laughs> you know when that started but because women uh, have been making music at least since like i don't know like 1950s right like, yeah yeah <laughs> hashtag short list so masculine oh nice get that going more like short dick list <laughs> Uh, and then it was also named 26 album of the decade by Rolling Stone, and it landed on a bunch of other year-end records, decade-end records. Uh, uh, sorry, other year-end lists and decade-end lists and whatnot. Nice. Um, so yeah, it was a is a is well-liked record, sold sold really well, and um, I think it uh, helped bring a lot of new fans into the fold, for sure. Sweet. Well, let's, yeah. let's take a quick little pause, and we'll talk about how we came into the fold to be fans of this record. Yeah, I'm going to take a little cat nap. See you in 20. <laughs> cool. And welcome back to Wacker Slaps. And yeah, let's just uh, let's go into it. Let's get down and dirty. Let's talk about how we came to this album, what we thought about it back in the day. Let's get in the litter box of our memories. <laughs> it's quite a picture. Wow. Who wants to go first? I can. I'm already talking, you know, might as well. Let me cut in here. Yeah. Cat power is the greatest. Um, I definitely, definitely. It was definitely a, uh, hard drive acquisition. That would was much of my musical catalog from, I don't know, 2006 to 2012. It was all from hard drives. It was all, you know, should have had on my hard drive downloaded illegally or otherwise or shared or whatever. They but, called you um, Caleb the Ripper, huh? Yeah, dude. <laughs> they never caught me. <laughs> Yeah, so it was on there, um, and I think, yeah, I probably got it at a time I was getting a bunch of other music I lovingly refer to as, like, sad bastard music. So, you know, I was listening to probably kind of a lot of that minimal kind of sad folk stuff, like your Smog, um, a.k.a. Billy C., Shout a.k.a. Out. Mr. Cat Power at one point. Um, yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, Bonnie Prince Billy, a little Iron Wine. Maybe some Feist, you know, I was kind of into Feist. This is similar, mm-hmm. kind of in that era. But um, yeah, so I probably found out about, I had known Cat Power because, you know, she's like a fixture of indie for years and years. But um, at this album, she was making a resurgence in some ways or whatever. So kind of appealed to me more um, because I was already kind of had my foot in the door with those those musicians however i will say she was always kind of on the periphery i never like had a big entry point with her so yeah it wasn't because she was on matador or was well-known indie yeah i kind of approached it through 
like in similar singers and songwriters and that kind of sad sad stuff but um yeah so then and then i also knew about you are free because that was, that was like a big record um which is a little more jaunty and kind of has a little bit more vim and vinegar you know so um i was familiar with that record and then i heard this and kind of liked it because it was a little bit more downturned it was a little bit more sparse with the arrangements and you know the vocals and everything yeah it was a little bit more singular but still had all that you know that um, idiosyncratic nature and it was sad and melancholy and all that so yeah i kind of dug that um i mean and the opening track too is like really really stirring and beautiful i'm sure we'll talk about that more in depth but that hearing that for the first couple times really really set the stage for you know what i would experience um and subsequent listens so yeah that's like a hard opening track to to get over like it's like really really announces itself very loudly and beautifully um, yeah it's the greatest yeah it's it's the greatest Apt. yeah and um i'm kind of like i'm like a vocals and lyrics guy so i mm-hmm. really loved this record for her vocal delivery but also her her lyrics as you know they get kind of buried in the mix or she doesn't enunciate super strongly as part of her style but what you do get from it lyrically i really always valued it's very like evocative and very like clever and like well structured and things like that so yeah i thought her vocals and just her whole approach to like singing and how that paired with the you know with with the music it was just this very harmonious combination of things and i thought it was an interesting kind of take on that sad bastard stuff because yeah it had it was more inflected with country and americana and stuff and at that time i was also listening to you know a lot of like classic stuff like you know like flats and scrugs but like you know also like the birds and flying burrito brothers and dusty springfield you know and then more contemporary stuff like you know the am and summer teeth era wilco so yeah like that so they kind of built me on those terms but kind of done in a more way that was like kind of pitched down and kind of closer to you know like other band like slow corn shit i was into like you know um black heart processions or whatever else would would have been on the my playlist and yeah so it was very provocative very evocative record for me but i honestly didn't get that deep into it i would probably listen to it every few months a couple months listen to it all the way through and always dug it but it didn't really stick with me i think i was kind of just volume between a bunch of different stuff at that time so i kind of lost in not interest just matter of logistics really stopped listening as much and didn't really follow up on cat power's career so it's kind of this flash in a pan but i would go back and listen to that opening the greatest the titular track a lot like anytime you just need like a little sad boost, you know, of something that's like a really good track to get to get to. If you're having like a, um, you know, like a sad bastard night or something, you know, that's a good one to go to. And um, this album also was, I really like the piano work and I'll talk about it later in my current reactions, but it reminded me of an era where like, just like um, another really good piano-driven album of this era. It's like two years before, but the Auntie and the Johnsons, I'm a Bird Now. Yeah. And hearing it recently, it's like, it reminded me of that record. I was just like, oh yeah, people used to like, you know, bust out the piano because like the finger-picking, 
you know, solo guitar guy with the voice that, you know, that kind of has time. And then people were like, I'm going to get back to the songwriting on the piano because that's kind of where it all starts, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. So back then I, I kind of it resonated with me because I was such a huge fan of the I'm Bird Now record. And so it's kind of like, oh, this is a, a different kind of more American version of that. Um, so I remember, yeah, digging it for that. And then also an album from this era, I think came out like two years later, but was Lay Down the Light, the Bonnie Prince Billy record. Mm-hmm. Um, as like similar threads in terms of using kind of a more upbeat kind of country elements as well as using what is more traditional kind of that not Nashville sound, but using, you know, studio musicians and everything to kind of build out a fuller sound. So, yeah, it was part of a cool, cool lineage of, um, you know, kind of um, records I was really into and back when I was indie rock, Caleb, indie, indie folk. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I can uh, jump in here because actually I don't have an extensive history with this record. I actually was a much bigger fan of you are free and some of her other stuff. I think I first heard her probably around the turn of the millennium. I was downloading a bunch of indie rock stuff, getting into things. And I think I downloaded a few of her tracks from, I want to say moon picks, but anyways, that's kind of how I first got into her. And then I, yeah. And then I got this, you are free later. Uh, that was cause it's much more of a, yeah. Indie rock, uh, kind of, vibe on that uh i mean you got dave Grohl on there you got eddie vetter it's you know it's definitely kind of more of a um a rocker on some of the tracks so i i like that a lot but i definitely heard this one probably mostly through you guys or friends other friends probably mostly through you noah because i know you were big uh big on this record but um, I really did like the record. I like the vibe of it. I just never, it never landed on my, you know, on my iPod photo during that era. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I really like the vibe. I uh, was a big fan of like, uh, similarly yeah. to Caleb, I'm a big fan of the sad boy, you know, kind of folk, sad boy, sad girl, folk stuff in indie rock. But also I'm a big, huge fan of, you know, golden era, R&B and soul stuff you know and there's definitely all, all those shades here and certainly all that country stuff that we're talking about too um you know Graham parsons and all those cats so this one's like really scratch a very specific itch where it was bringing those two kind of things together and you know um it was not necessarily the first she was not the first indie artist to do that or to you know meld country into kind of a more indie rock sound of course but she definitely you know put her mark on it and her it works very well with her own you know kind of sultry smoky style i always loved her you know smoky kind of weary world weary voice it it adds a lot of character to her songs and you know they're very well written i'm actually the opposite uh from from you caleb i'm music and texture guy first baby (laughs) exactly yep uh um so like that that always gets my catches me first um but I'll talk about that a little bit more in, in our current reactions. Um, but yeah, so I like, I really, I really like the evolution here. I, you know, it was definitely apparent to me at, even at the time that this was a, a, a step, uh, maybe not necessarily a step forward. I don't know. It's hard, you know, hard judging these things, but it's definitely a step into something new. And I like that she's adding different shades to her sound. And it's always interesting to me when, when artists do that, 
for, for better or for worse, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, but I think here they, she found the nice kind of middle ground. Um, and it works a lot. Uh, it works really well on, on most of this record. And I'd say all this record. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I landed, uh, before this, this endeavor here. Nice. You guys are talking about kind of, uh, indie Americana kind of country sounding folk records. Man, do you guys remember the first time you checked out the Cowboy Junkies from the Santa Maria Public Library? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like the, a game changer. Uh, the trilogy, what is it? The, I probably um, would have heard them on a... Is it just the self-titled one? The one with the with yeah, all but, those like folk interpretations? And, yeah, yeah. It was like recorded I've in a church. I heard them on a soundtrack. What soundtrack were they on? Were they like Sweet Jane and shit? Sweet yeah. Jane, yeah. That was in a movie, right? That was like it was. Oh, yeah. It was only like a definitely like one of those mid nineties indies. Yeah, indie stalwart um, kind of movies. But anyways, that just reminded me of because Cat Power, you could always get. I think the first time I ever heard the covers album was a uh, library. Checking that out from the Santa Maria Public Library. Um, but Shout out. just to go into my history, in 06, I was a Cat Power fan. Um, I think probably you are free. I think probably my brother Zachary would have shown it to me. Mm -hmm. And I think probably maybe the covers record too. We might've like checked it out from the library and like burned it. But I remember uh, in high school, I used to like borrow his, my brother's car every once in a while. And his, his car, like the interior was made of CDs and they always had a cat power laying around. So I'd listen to it and I always liked it. You Are Free was just, yeah, classic kind of game changer album for me. So when I first heard, and the covers uh, album as well, I love that album. Um, so I would have heard that sometime in high school. And then I remember when I heard this album in 06, I did feel a little like, oh, this is like a new direction. And it took me a couple listens before I realized kind of like, no, this is like a nice step forward, what she's doing. And and, uh, you know, she's from like Atlanta. So it like made sense to have this kind of, kind of Southern ish kind of country record, kind of almost like muscle shoals or stuff like that, or R and B, you know, stacks record influence and stuff. So it took me a while to get into it, but man, this album, I, I listened to it so much back back in when I was like 21, 22, it just, and I remember, yeah, all, almost all my friend group, like really loved this album. And uh, I think Adrian, this made it onto like a burned copy, at least made it to the spindle at the pizza store. Oh, I think you're we right. Would listen to the greatest every once in a while. So yeah, I probably definitely heard it. Yeah. Uh, through osmosis at the pizza place for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's very, it's such a good, when, when you're early 20s, kind of thinking about unrequited love or heartbreak or something. It's a sad, but yet hopeful album that really connected to me. Not right away, but then when it did, it, it became my favorite. It, I think usurped uh, You Are Free for me, and probably to this day. It's probably my favorite one, but yeah, cat power is great. Just 
Yeah. I feel like very influential for somebody who's not all that prolific and stuff. I think she kind of made her mark and there's been, she's almost like a genre unto herself. For sure. Yeah. Um, There's definitely threads back from all of the indie rocksters these days, whether it's the, you know, the Mitskis, the Japanese breakfast, the, you know, whoever. Snail mail or whatever. Exactly. They're all. I don't want to just be like, oh, yeah, lady indie singers. No, no, no. Fucker mummy. No, not like it's not. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's an influence that you can definitely hear. I mean, she's, as Caleb said, like she was a huge indie star at this point and i think we all you know we're in love with with her music and so you know it's not surprising that that younger generations are finding it and and having that influence their music um you know and it it goes beyond just like you know yeah chick rock or whatever derogatory stupid yeah stupid you know (laughs) pigeonhole bullshit you want to say (laughs) it weren't a western (laughs) (laughs) there he is (laughs) um so it's uh you know it it, i don't know it it, it's it's interesting because you're saying she's not prolific and yet this is her seventh record so she's she's i guess she became less prolific after this album you're right i think that once the 2000s hit then she started i mean mean, certainly she had a kid and some financial troubles and Mm -hmm. sobriety and all that so right and you know life life and so it makes sense. And then you hear that on this record, like you're saying, like there's, it, there's a bittersweet character to this record for sure. But yeah, the, I think there was a, before this, it was, you know, this three years after you are free. And then before that, that was, it was a five-year break between new music. So yeah, she, she stopped putting out a lot of stuff, but she's, she's continued to make stuff. And so, yeah. so yeah, it's interesting to, 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 to think that, that, um, that her output, even if it has slowed, it's still out there and uh, yeah. inspiring new new artists for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's cool because it captures the same kind of heartbreak that she's always kind of dealing with on her records, but it has mm-hmm. that lush production. So it yeah. adds like a new wrinkle to her whole what yeah, she can it, do. It I shows it like it how how vast she can make in a lot music. of ways. Yeah, because you're like you're familiar with that sound. And then a lot of that music was also very much about, you know, the pangs and arrows of living and heartache and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. And, you know, they're part of the, you know, American songbook and everything to, but then to yeah. kind of overlay her, her experience. Yeah. So it wasn't like her trying to be broad to be for broad sakes, but yeah, it made it more. Yeah. I don't relate music that like, if you're drinking at the bar and you got your dance partner there and you're dancing, that's happy. But if you're drinking at the bar and your dance partner's gone and you're by yourself, it's a little sad. <laughs> sure is. Yeah, that's uh sounds like a country song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you cool. play a country song backwards, it's it's a happy song. Yeah. Uh, dog so comes back, mama comes back to life, you get your job back. Your cat power gets turned your back. Wife on. gets back together with you. The beers get undrinking. The bears get undrank. <laughs> doesn't happen (laughs) yeah this album too though it's great because i always when i was younger this was like a wake and bake kind of album i don't do that anymore but it was kind of like a morning get stoned all day type album but then also it is kind of like a late night album too 
It's like an anytime album. Suits a lot of different moods. Yeah. Um, and and hits a lot of different vibes, but it has a very unique character. Uh, I, I, I'll just use that to segue into current thoughts here. But um, it's it's fun. It's interesting we're talking about this and being waxing nostalgic because I I wrote here that listening to this now is sort of like slipping into an old warm jacket or shirt that you haven't worn in a long time. You know, it's a little worn, but it's still you know you love it, and you know you, you're like, oh, why don't I wear this anymore? Um, that's kind of the you feeling find a here. pack of cigs with like six cigarettes in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, dude, camels. for me it'd be Fuck like yeah. uh, like a old nug of weed in the pocket. Camel, camel reds. Like, oh. You're like, oh, I remember that nug of weed. <laughs> yeah, some white widow from the oh, yeah. but uh anyways so that you know that's kind of the the feel of it now is like I, why why didn't i put this on and more often now that, or why don't i put this on more often now because it, it you know we did yeah we did all love it and it, it is kind of this this you know it's a moody record but it, it's 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 uh it works in a lot of contexts and you know Certainly now that I've gotten older, the lyrics hit a little deeper, you know, and certainly I'm, I'm paying more attention to lyrics, you know, these days. I think doing the podcast and stuff has helped me to get back into appreciating lyrics uh, more than I, because I, again, I, I'm a big fan of of texture and abstract music and things like that. So when something really connects, it's, it, you really feel the meaning behind it. And, you know, certainly she has that power um like that cat power i really like the production too it's really like kind of open and airy and warm and it feels it feels live but not like loose i don't know the band is really tight but it has like they leave enough space in the groove that that everything feels sort of organic and natural and alive in a, in a really great way i the word i used here is honeyed because it's kind of like warm soothing soft amber. kind of amber hued at times and you know but it, there's there's some moments of bitterness too um, bittersweet for sure bittersweet yeah and whiskey yeah exactly exactly um <laughs> it's like chris stapleson said <laughs> tennessee whiskey <laughs> shout out uh chris stapleton um but this I, I think the album's aged very well i think the kind of throwback sound makes it timeless in a way and yes. i think that there's a lot of charm to like kind of that that melding of the warmth of the soul kind of the old soul music and the kind of more angsty indie rock inclinations of of yeah. you know of sean sean marshall but um, not a not a trace of fake funk which is something no, that no, we no. don't like mm -hmm. here on this podcast and you know what it is when you hear it no or sweatiness there's no, there's no fake folk there's no fake heartbreak fake ache yeah. None of that. It's <laughs> real, folks. Yeah. These are real, real emotions and real. Yeah, um, I think it's so powerful. It's happening now. She's on the wax. she's the genuine, genuine article. She really That's, is. Yeah. And then I'll just finish off here to say I think this for me as well. I think this remains a high watermark. I don't know. I I have to listen to you are free a, a little bit more again yeah, to, to really. To we got to do an episode on that. Yeah, maybe we'll cover that again. We'll circle back here, but. I think this remains a high watermark in her entire catalog, you know, amongst a lot of really, really great material. So yeah, that I mean, I'm she glad called I got her shot. To she get called her shot. This. So <laughs> she did. hard to not is, say it's right? not her best. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I know that is like, so such a cool move because like, and then it's like, wait, are people going to be confused that it's a greatest hits album? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but then the album cover has this like, like the the gilded the box like the yeah. Gloves so yeah it's, it's a total like muhammad ali yeah. reference too right 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, working a lot of different levels. And then, I had that poster uh, in my room when I was a kid. But because it's her seventh album, it could have been like you know the greatest hits of her first, you know, yeah. seven albums, first six career. albums, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Let's- right. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, can go. Yeah, I, I mean, pun very much intended. This, this album is great. It's yeah, super, super, super well done. I think all the songwriting and the arrangements, um, whether that's you know strings or little horn sections, is just all so perfectly placed. And just like like Adrian was saying, it's just it's just a really warm recording, and it. it is done in such a like just a it's kind of like ec- not economical but just in like a steady confident kind of way and i really like records like that they're just like not too showy and they kind of just use a lot more which is kind of more simple ideas and and i think of that really great elemental professional studio musicians can can bring that to the table and it's like really neat that you know she used utilize that to um you know create the sound that carries you know her ideas and her really like phenomenal songwriting yeah and like her voice and it just like it just pairs so well with her voice because it's just like delicate and aching and but it's just like present you know it's just like there and it doesn't it's you could feel all those things but it's not emotionally manipulative you know you it kind of you can just kind of and put your own kind of feelings for it when you hear it. Um, just, you know, it's all kind of relatable and the way that they just mix it right up front and just kind of let her do her thing with the vocals and ride it, ride it out. Yeah. It's just, it's just really engaging to listen to. And you can, I, when I first heard it as a record, I always just thought it was kind of piano led more. Yeah. Simplistic kind of sad singer songwriter stuff, but the you know and i think like like i say in the first track kind of sets that tone but um yeah the more you hear it you hear just all of the southern soul and country soul and all those kind of elements yeah you can definitely hear the city that it was albums made in it also kind of sounds like you know it has some swampers muscle shoals like vibes throughout even like a little bit of like you know dylan went country with like nashville skyline or whatever yeah. you kind of kind of hear that in the dna of the record and um yeah just creates a steady backbeat that she can do her thing over and really is very careful with the way that she picks all that out yeah yeah super super cool and i really really like piano the older i get like it's probably my favorite instrument that i like to listen to whether that's like jazz or classical experimental music what have you yeah so anyway, there's just, just some just like super just expertly played, just striding piano. I'm just like so into it. And <laughs> like yeah. there's this like really good country like country piano, blues piano stuff on here throughout. And yeah, and used very, very smartly. You know, it's not on every song, or it, it is because you know she's using kind of a you know traditional combo like band, but um yeah there's some whenever it just kind of peaks up and kind of takes over a song it's just like really beautiful and really has my has my admiration so um yeah and it 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 definitely appeals to kind of shit i'm more into it's like you know like you know female-led 
slow sad music whether that be like low or mazzy star or nina anastasia like that kind of that kind of vibe it's like kind of really fits into that those kind of those kinds of classic albums and everything so definitely definitely be coming back and you know recommending it to more people when i want to nice people to get you know sad and sad and wistful you know this is the perfect record for it nice um cool i could go my current reaction kev it's funny you're talking about the piano like i'm the same way i'm like dude i love the piano and then my wife just recently got a full electric piano in the house so like she plays every night so like just hear her playing like she's been playing like vince caraldi lately and you know then classic beethoven and stuff and then i've been playing like try to play at least a few times a week and it's just chopsticks it's yeah i know i mean you're joking but i try i struggle <laughs> with that but it's like even if you're like kind of shitty at playing piano it's it's fun dude. cool yeah. yeah yeah it's just like a beautiful beautiful sound yeah. and this album has so much good piano on it it reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of um like uh those 70s early 70s tom waits albums kind of like mm-hmm. kind of loungy piano heavy albums like jayhawks um, at the diner or whatever that yeah yeah i was just so glad we're like let's do a cat power album because it was kind of like damn i can't i kind of slipped on my love for cat power i hadn't hadn't revisited in so long um and just i was i was just reminded of how much i love this album and it 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 does sound today as new yeah it sounds it's like a timeless album just because the production's so good and and it's featuring people that have played music for decades now so it's very it captures that her voice is so good i love how she does the layered vocals and yeah it's just kind of a perfect little album and i was just so glad to revisit it it's been great like it's a great uh headphones kind of walking taking a walk walking home or whatever album yeah it just uh it definitely got me nostalgic for kind of where i was at that point in my life and then yeah it just uh it's kind of a heavy album but it's very you can like move to it you know yeah heavy but light on its feet yeah Yeah. heavy with a light touch light touch yeah yeah. looks like a great boxer that's what I say. There you go. I'm I'm just so glad we did this album because it's awesome. Yeah, it's fucking floats like a butterfly. It stings <laughs> like a bee. Totally. Like rumble, young woman, rumble. <laughs> but it's great. Uh, there you go. It's the greatest. It is indeed. Well, why don't we hear some of this? Yeah. Keep yapping about it. Let's do the damn thing. Slappers. Slappers. All right. Slappers only. Um, well, we've all been talking about it. The first song, right? The yeah, yeah. Title That's track. right there. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even put it on my list. The main event. I knew the title. It would get covered. <laughs> title bout here. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Titular track. Let's hear from the tippy tippy tip. All right. Do you want it? Should we hear it first, and then we can kind of get yeah. into our thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Here is the titular track, the greatest from the greatest by Cat Power. Mm -hmm. 
so yeah right out the gates just strings hits the vibe strings, the bass chords, thumping, chords we melody. Bring melody the vocal the the background vocals you know it's yeah, yeah. yeah it's so yeah. good because i i wrote here the strings are syrupy in the right way because you know i think there's another song was it um where is my love where the strings feel more not a bad song at all or anything yeah, it's no, just that they feel nice. more manipulative in a way i think that she mm-hmm. calls it out in the review as well but this one it feels yeah it just feels natural and good and like it it's it all kind of it's it's kind of the beginning of things coming together here so it, it still has you know kind of wash in the kind of because you know cat power definitely was a very piano heavy in a lot of her previous material and this kind of is introducing you like okay we're gonna start melding the this memphis sound onto this you know the cat power that you know and it all starts here and i think it's just a great intro song and yeah i don't know uh i'll leave it to you guys to to add here but yeah uh, great title track great title (laughs) track it's so it's only like two minutes but it just like man it packs a punch yeah yeah i love the piano i don't know if that's like an electric piano like a hammond or leslie or whatever but um yeah i I just like that effect that it has on it i don't even know what you call it but we're just kind of plays and then the melody just kind of frays a little bit and it just Mm -hmm. adds this like delicate layer um yeah it's like uh muhammad ali's opening jab yeah (laughs) sting it's not a knockout punch but damn does it sting thing of beauty yeah and it's just yeah it's just like super beautiful and like she's bringing that old cat power just like you're like whoa she is aching she is sad but there's also yeah just you know talking about the greatest and there's you know there's little like signs of like hope or it's a little bit more dynamic than just you know a sad person sitting down at the piano you know it has like a little bit of uh aggression you know a little bit of a yeah. little bit of something else going on too let's so, hear yeah. more it's a song you could listen to every fucking day for the rest of your life yeah never, never grow tired of it mm-hmm. yeah it's it's one of those um this yeah it's a, it's a song that, that that could just be it's, it's an eternal song yeah go ahead yeah, go ahead sure. this album i love it like front to back but i had a hard time listening to the whole thing all the way through because i just listened to the first like three songs yeah i would always go back to the first song i was like i kind of want to hear the greatest again or like sometimes when i'm listening to these i'll like lose track of the album kind of like oh i got off Mm -hmm. base and i'm not hearing it how the album flows so i'll do a reset and what better song to reset on i've listened to this song like 50 times in the last whatever week and a half yeah since it's gonna be on my like whatever my 2023 wrapped <laughs> yeah. oh for sure yeah it's gonna make an appearance um hopefully this will knock the eagles off of mine oh, yeah <laughs> i did not share this year because there was some shit on you're my never head. shedding uh yeah. one of these nights dude. it's gonna live with you forever hey i can live with one of these nights <laughs> oh uh, dude my my buddy sent me a video of him uh, rocking out to that song today. It was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought about you guys. It's a banger. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's hear a little bit more of this. So here, let me get to some chorus action here because it's very beautiful. So, um, here's a little bit more of The Greatest by the one and only Cat Power. Sad, 
Yeah, it, it's gorgeous. Yeah, honestly, just listening to these little snippets makes me want to listen to the whole thing again. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's a gorgeous song, a powerful opener. You know, we always talk yeah. about how you know you got to get them out uh, out the gates. You got to get the attention, and I think she really succeeded here. Unless we have anything else, do we want to go on to the next uh, slapper here? Yeah, we can go on. Who's got one? Um, what did I say? The third song, right? Lived in bars. Great. Yeah, I, I love the second well. song too. I think this is like one of the best one, two, threes we've ever done, but we can mm-hmm. skip the second and go to uh lived in bars. This is one of the best songs ever written. Maybe it's just because Ooh. I've spent a lot of time in bars. <laughs> Currently in a bar. <laughs> uh, but man, it really captures the feeling of kind of like, oh shit, I've spent way too much time at this fucking bar. Um, but it, this whole sa- album is is a bar. It's just it's, like it yeah, is. This album or this song starts out so kind of weary and like sad, and then it's like. It's kind of like, oh, you've had a couple drinks now. Like, let's yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you love this bar, but uh, I love just fantastic. I love this video. Did you guys ever see this video where she's no, just probably like, I can't remember wearing it, like a Atlanta Braves hat and just chilling at like some local oh, Atlanta bar, yeah. dancing around and stuff. Right, it sounds like uh, a good time. But I love there's like a creeping string that happens and it starts off so slow and um, I marked. Adrian around the two minute mark is kind of when the core or not even the chorus, I guess it's kind of like the bridge kicks in. Yeah. There's a little shift. I, I wrote yeah. chorus swing here. Cause I think that's kind of what, what happens, but how about we listen, let's listen to a little bit of the verse first and then we'll get to that little change up. Cause yeah. you, so you can get a little taste of what uh, that's that slowness was. Um, yeah. My, I, my notes here, I, def, I, it definitely fits a certain smoke filled swing, excuse me, uh smoke filled swing boozy vibe is kind of what, what i pulled from it um the horns obviously i'm always a sucker for good use of horns and this is sad real good sad saxophone dude yes every time and then it's it's really a shame that the guitar supplanted the saxophone as the main (laughs) rock and roll instrument oh yeah right i'd like to live in some sort of of philip k dickian universe where it's like (laughs) you know people slashes shredding the saxophone (laughs) totally But then, like jazz still exists, so it's just like saxophones fucking everywhere. Incredible, incredible! I want to live in that world. So yeah, um, let's hear a little bit of this bad boy. Unless Caleb, be any other? uh, Yeah, I I just like I really like when she goes jaunty, and like the the Mm. song after the song after the second song is really jaunty, but this one is kind of comes down a little bit from that. Yeah, it's just like it has a little bit more energy, but while keeping all of that melancholy and tenderness that the, the album looks kind of like the yeah. ambience throughout. Yeah, it's like a little short story, like the lyrics and stuff. Mm-hmm. It really paints a picture of mm-hmm. kind of like, a, yeah, and that kind of might very go back to like the, the Tom Waits vibe you're, you know, you're talking. Oh, yeah, about. it yeah. sounds like that. He's in like a piano Waits. lounge. Yeah, she's like in a roadhouse. She's in just roadhouse. like, oh, there bar. you go. Yeah, yeah. For sure. All right, just that phrase lived in bars. It's like, yeah, I know exactly what very evocative. Very, you were behind bars. You're like, no, I was in a bar, yeah, and then I was behind bars. Like, fuck, have I been to that bar? I used to live at that fucking bar. (laughs) All right, here is a little of lived in bars from Cat Power. Nothing like ending it off. 
I love that verb. The who's gonna play drums, guitars, organ, and chorus, or something. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, it's um. We. What is it? Yeah, it's great. Uh, we're, who's gonna play drums, guitar, organ, with chorus? As far as we walk from both ends of the sand, never have we caught a glimpse of this man. It's great. Very evocative. Very. It, it's a little not. It's a little you know novella in a song. Um, yeah. Here, sure. here is a little bit of the the change up which yeah this it really swings the song in another direction and really um it's a great way to end it here we go here's some more lived in bars Lived in bars and danced on tables. Fuck, I want to go to a bar right now. <laughs> Caleb, you uh, should get that tattooed. Lived in bars and danced on tables. <laughs> Just the script. Good... I'm not a big fan of lyric script, tattoos. But... Script tats. Yeah. I, I really love those Shuba dudes too. Really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just hits, man. It hits in a certain, in the way that, you know, the, all the classic Shuba dudes do. It's fantastic. All right, I can go ahead and give us another one here. I think this is one that we all agreed yeah, on. Yeah, I think we're all on this tip. Sweet. So it's another sort of story song, actually, um, mm-hmm. and it's called Willie. It's, yeah, it's another kind of um, woozy mid-tempo song, which I, you know, I'm on record as being the mid-tempo song guy. Dude, this is the mid-tempo album. Is, it really it really I'm, is. I'm also mid-tempo i like slow to mid-tempo though but yeah totally i yes. delivers on that um and i really it's it's I, oh, I really like that it's the end of side one i think it's a perfect it's kind of like the yes. the record i'm you know it, it ends the record the first half of the record kind of on an upbeat just the way that the whole record ends kind of on an upbeat and it really it works it it, it needs does. the length it needs a jammer kind of mm-hmm. a longer song because most of these songs are short so like mm-hmm. it's perfect yeah, halfway kind of abruptly end yeah, yeah this song takes its sweet time it's just a it's a steady rocker you know indeed and then the bass and the sax really working for me on this track i don't yeah. know and then yeah another piano heavy track maybe maybe there's a uh, through line for all these yeah. or just uh, it, all the stuff that we love that am i wrong about. but there's trumpet too right there's like there's yeah. like a yes. horn yes. section right there they're is. probably it's using a full-on horn a three-piece section, yeah three piece mm-hmm. at least yeah okay but it's those like melancholy they have the stabbing horns like rhythmic yeah horns, that's but it's cute. like that melancholy where it's little kind of dragged out it's like horn a, stabs it's a horn under a probably my of one of my favorite vibe. musical sounds ever oh yeah if it's you great. just kind of a, a little swell little punctuation of horn horn oh, stabs man. horn stabs that was yeah. a band right horn stabs, horn stabs. <laughs> stabbing was a thing right it was like a dance oh, 
thing. Yeah, the Jamaican thing. Dagger. Yeah. Well, was it stabbing? Stabbing was. I think stabbing was another dance. I was. I think I was thinking of dagger. Speaking of bars, dude. Oh seven, oh eight. I lost a good chunk of my life to a daggering bar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right. Okay. Sure. Sure. Um. So let's see. Okay. It looks like you have some markers here, Kayla. 45. Let's get to. I think the beginning, because yeah. that's like the motif is like the combination of those vocals, the trumpet. I think the trumpet kind of starts and then the other horns come in and then the bass like that. That, you know, that trio right there is really what sells me on this song. Okay. And you're saying yeah. we should just go from the jump. Yeah. Go like the jump to like about 45. And then, yeah, there's a couple other. Then the, the whatever other sections that you pinned to are definitely represent the song very well. Cool. All right. Uh, well, here's a little bit of Willie from Cat Power, the greatest the name of Caleb's cat. Yeah. Oh, shout shout out. Cat Power. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you like it. <laughs> <laughs> The trumpet starts the shit, and then the the sax finishes it. Have you seen it? That's just a great way to start a song. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, and it's like it's great that the instruments are like in conversation with her. Almost, (laughs) yeah, so good. Yeah, so so yeah, music kind of element. Her her like backup vocal voice is so good on this album because there's kind of like two modes that she does. Like she's doing kind of like a her own backing vocal kind of where she modulates her voice and then she has the more smokier voice to do the do uh most of the singing but man she's so good her voice is so good on this song i agree yeah it's like cool like you're saying it's a cool story song about you don't know what the fuck it's about you know something went wrong they're looking for somebody i assume something went wrong in a in a bar yeah, and well, then she connects herself directly with the you know this dude's play. It's like, please don't bring him down, please don't let him go. And then she sings, please don't bring me down, please don't let me go. So with that, yeah. So interesting, interesting stuff here. <laughs> Making the specific universal, folks. That's what good art does. Agree. All right, so here is a little bit more of Willie from about. Uh, here's a little bit towards the back half. There's a little music break into the next uh, those kind of sort of ending verses here. Do you think the name Willie is like a Willie Nelson reference? Because it does have like a stardust. It's yeah. spelled this the same album too. is very like stardust sounding, kind of Willie's sure. kind of crooner album that he made. 
one of my all-time favorite records ah that album's so good Uh, go to a thrift store right now you could probably buy it up two dollars yep 250 when i was first hearing the lyrics she was saying willie deadweiler but i kept telling it was willie wilder and i was like is that what she calls billy wilder it's like a weird (laughs) that's what the that's what they called him in the industry i don't think he'd appreciate that one um probably have something saucy to say he's like these cast powers is using <laughs> mates names yeah he was german but uh, i think like there are characters that come up again in her catalog oh maybe i yeah um, i think she does a lot of names that reappear she has like a song oh, called right. really deadweiler and it's like i think that's the name of her cat the cat power of the cpu huh maybe yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll have to explore that. We'll do another cat power. Yeah, oh, we'll yeah, we'll definitely return. I don't know. Do you? I have a couple of honorable mentions here we could talk about, or is totally. anyone? I have one more slap towards okay, the back yeah. back half of the album. What do you what got? It? No, I'm blanking on the name of the song. After uh, it all, second to last song. After it all, it's a third to last song. Actually, third to last. Yes, uh, just a good whistle song. Oh, you gotta, you gotta love a whistler. Uh, the one that whistles, the one that whistles, <laughs> <laughs> oh, deepest of cuts. Yeah, we'll explain <laughs> that inside joke one of these days. <laughs> oh boy, you okay. can explain that to us if you know that reference. You win a prize. <laughs> Do you have a, a time, or should we just jump in here? Uh, just the beginning, we can just hear the whistle and then move on. Okay. <laughs> but this, but I will say, when I back in 06, this was my jam. I would listen to this song all the time. Great. And I hadn't heard it in years. So it was like great to revisit it. You know, when you like realize like, damn, I used to listen to that song like every day for like a year. And then you go like Mm -hmm. 10 years and kind of like you hadn't thought about it. Like that's always a good feeling to remember. Yeah. Alcohol keeps like a handful of songs in my life. But other than that, I'm. (laughs) I'm like a bad, <laughs> yeah, I'm like a bad re-listener. You yeah, know, like I, I kind of just like it whittles it down. Or he's like, just play the hits, fool. Yeah, I'm like, whatever. Play like Regulators, <laughs> yeah. Goddamn Lonely Love by Drive By Truckers. You know, just shit we Black Sabbath, Black get... Sabbath, Black yeah. Sabbath again. Put on White Lines. You know the hits. <laughs> yeah, I I suffer from a similar affliction, except mine's weed based instead mm-hmm. of alcohol based. Yeah, but this was just a good memory, and I. Just hadn't heard the song in years, and I think it holds up because uh, I think this album's a little front loaded, but this mm-hmm. is a great uh, back half song. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that the back half is bad at all, and I think no, that I actually think the last two songs different. really yeah. pick up. It's a little I think more electrified. A, yeah, cool. I think I think it's just a little bit more. It fades in the background a little bit more. Not that the songs are bad or anything, but it just doesn't have the impact of those first three, and then the ah, you yeah. Know, I mean, the down. first five songs is like. As good as it gets. So yeah, and then he hit to... Willie, and it's like shit, you know. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so here is a little bit of "After It All" from the Greatest by Cat Power. Women sitting down 
That sounds like a yeah, like a Nashville skyline. Like Bob Dylan mm-hmm. would have started singing on that. There's a little frog voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Live them by and dance on tables. Still wanted some <laughs> of the wildest uh, vocal choices ever done. I heard. I love it. Quit I love it so much. Yeah, there was there was some reasoning behind it, right? I. I didn't know. Was it quit smoking? I heard because it sounds else, cool. That's all the reason I need. I think. Well, I thought he was like trying to emulate someone. Why like, only like, do I was one. trying to? Why not? He did, I think he did it on a couple of records, but yeah, or, but at least a song on another record. Yeah. It does taper off. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a great another all time great classic. fucking yeah. Stone Cold. I would love to hear that shit. He should do some covers since he's all piano bound. If he did a cover one, yeah, because he only does piano these days. I would love to hear uh, Cat Power and Dylan make a little duet. I'm surprised that like a Tony Bennett, Lady Gaga type thing. Yeah, yeah, great. She certainly covered his songs and stuff. I forget which song she did. A, wasn't she on the um, that movie soundtrack? Yeah, she's the, on. A, uh, oh I, yeah, uh, I'm not. You're, you're not. I'm not there anymore. Whatever it was. Good, good, good movie. Good, good soundtrack. But anyways, let's finish this off with uh, with one more. I have the last song here. I think is really strong. It's called "Love and Communication." I'm not there. That yes, exactly. Oh, the yes. uh Todd Haynes joint, right? And and the other uh movie I was thinking of earlier was um Natural Born Killers. Oh. Uh, Cowboy twisted. Junkies. Yeah. It's, uh, Cowboy it's Junkies was movie, also Agent, yeah, Trinity Sessions. You're Trinity right. Sessions. Yeah, I have that on vinyl. Um, all right. Uh, this is the part of the podcast where we go back and review all of our half-assed mistakes. references. Yeah. Uh, we don't clean it up in post. We do it now, and you fill in the blanks. <laughs> this is called the bringing it back uh, half. Yeah, it's hour. called the tedium. Bring it back hour. home. Hour. <laughs> the tedium. Yeah, bring hour. it all back. There you go. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Well, anyways, love and communication, I think, is a great capper to the record. And for, for me, w- why this works so well is because it ups the indie rock a little bit. Like, it ups uh-huh. it from to like from like fifty to like sixty, yeah. and then the 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 Memphis goes around forty, and it just sounds really good. Like, it's it's almost like she's like, all right, we're gonna finish this off, and I'm gonna take full control again, and you guys are gonna follow my lead. And uh, yeah, it just it it really works for me. I don't know about you guys, but I, I really liked it. Um, no, another another song I haven't heard or thought of in years and was just so glad to hear it this last week or so this song's awesome yeah caleb any thoughts yeah like i said it it electrifies things a little bit you know um it picks up the pace some might say it's a little too late but it's like nah, i I love when albums do that they just kind of you know throw a whole new kind of mode on there you know keeps people on their toes It's, it's a good move yeah it's it re- I mean, when it works, it really works, and it and this is a, a great example of that. So here we go. Here's a little of love and communication to finish us off. Cat powers the greatest. Can you tell? Can you tell? There's something about it, cause you know they're always here. Sounds like Gangster's Paradise. 
<laughs> yeah, that or like um, Stevie Pastime Paradise, I guess the sample. Those uh, those stabs of the, yeah, bam, yeah, I think it's on Rhodes or something. Bam, the electric piano bam, is just fucking. Oh, about oh yeah, good definitely. Sound. Um, oh, these Damn. yeah. I mean, Rhodes, electric piano. You got yeah. the, you got some. Um, we got another like, forty-five minutes to talk guitar. Talk about the gear on this album, right? <laughs> yeah, I wish, man. I could, yeah. I could nerd out about uh, all this for hours. They were using um, a Leslie uh, rotary amplifier on some of that. What is that? Yeah. A Neve deck? You guys got recorded? What, what kind of guitar does she play? Do you know, Adrian? She plays. So it's funny because I was uh, looking through some stuff. She plays. So she has (laughs) a she famously played a Dan Electro, I believe, which is like an old kind of like expensive now. They're expensive now, but they used to be kind of like used to be able to get for cheap. Junky like Kmart store. Yeah, exactly. The the Sears. I think it was a Sears. Sears. Sears, I think she was mostly known for that. But yeah, she, uh, you know, she she's. She's actually kind of a uh, an interesting guitarist, an interesting like songwriter in terms of like the noisier stuff. As we were talking about, it's kind of where her roots are, and you still hear that through through some of that stuff uh, throughout her career. But yeah, this I I like the I like capping off records with with kind of you know sending you off in like a um, yeah. sending you off in like a up note is is really and it actually it also makes me want to start at the beginning again yeah you know yeah. it's kind of got a weird cyclical thing going on and um you know yeah this is yeah. definitely a great record for that for for repeat listens for sure cool All what's right. next take a break and then close the show or no yeah. rate it let's rate it real quick right well, let's rate it and then we'll uh take a break and come back and finish her off cool Man, I've been debating because I'm like, is this album perfect? I don't know. But I definitely, you know, our last week's episode, Junior Boys, hmm. had no nostalgia bump. Mm-hmm. But this album has like insane nostalgia for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a 10. Fuck wow. It. Damn, there it is, folks. Turn yeah i i don't know i have been going back and forth for me i really it really i think there is or i'm sorry i think uh i said that was a dan lecture i think it was a silver tone guitar that she plays actually it's very similar vibe sears one that's the sears one anyhow um glad i caught that folks glad i caught that yeah oh man <laughs> well, the no. oh, Boy, was my face about to be red well you had the sears part right so i got great. the sears part right but um anyways so yeah i've gone back and forth and like thinking like you know it's a, it's not really a perfect record for me it's it's great and i love it but and it definitely got a little bit of a nostalgia bump i think i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it a nine two i think i think first of all i think seven nine is fucking criminally low yeah uh, like, <laughs> i don't on. know what pitchfork was on then clean the shit out of your ears i think yeah, production value alone like puts it so much ahead of a lot of 2006 indie rock like i would agree <laughs> um so yeah i think uh, it, probably it really is somewhere in the eights but for me and just like you're saying the nostalgia bump and just talking about it like yeah nine two i'm gonna go with nine two yeah for me I'm going to rate it highly. Don't worry about that. Less of a nostalgia bump, just like really just re- it, like I heard it again with kind of fresh ears and that like mm. 
that was really a cool experience and then every time i listened to or i heard something different i like got to appreciate a different kind of the backing band approach or a little cool little mysterious lyric here so it's like it has so many layers and so rewarding each listen so that's like you know re-listenable re factory it's really high on this one so with all that in mind yeah it's solid as shit so i'm gonna give it a nine. Oh, nice yeah all right, i only put this through the cat powered computer nine, seven um i don't know how that would work but it's a nine four nine four uh, pretty good pretty dang good yeah. sounds good to me i'll take that i'll kick that out of bed as they say yeah that's good it has definitely two 10.0 songs right the greatest and lived in bars right that's yeah that's two yeah, of the best songs yeah. we've ever covered on this and podcast. if we we're going to cover this again in a year we'd probably say well actually there's three other 10.0 songs that yeah that i'm thinking about so cool yeah right on so yeah let's take a quickie and then we'll come back and land the ship land the ship I got to go get the game. I wrote it on a piece of paper. I got to go find it. Okay. Sweet. Don't give up the game, dude. Don't let people know our <laughs> methods. A little too much inside baseball. Yeah. Cut this. All right. We're back. We're at the uh, the dog days of this episode. Um, yeah. So, you know, let's. Uh, there's no wax. We rated it. Oh, 9.4. Uh, wait, I got a question for you guys. You you fucks with cat power. Meow. There's a little sign you do, you just kind of like claw oh, something around. That's how you that's what the cat power nation communicates wait, with each other. Wait, meow. We didn't do the meow bit the whole time. <laughs> oh. The uh broken lizard. Is this the second episode oh. Broken Lizards come up? I think so. the last episode? Yeah. Trying to transition it. We're gonna do their whole filmography. That's right. God All help right. us. Yeah, so what happened to CP? She does her thing. Rocking. Yeah, she's yeah. kept going. She's steadily released records. She's taken breaks yeah. a couple times. Tours. I fell drinking, off a little good bit. On her. I love that album, Sun. I think that's a kind of Great underrated record. classic. Mm -hmm. Manhattan, kind of that's on Blew Up. That was like on a bunch of prestige TV shows on um, Where's Fleischman, whatever. Where's Fleischman? Is that good? Yeah, Where is Fleischman? Fleischman is Fleischman is. Um, <laughs> we need to talk about Fleischman. <laughs> yeah, something like that. We basically. need to talk about Fleischman. <laughs> Fleischman is in trouble. Well, there right. you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, you know what we're talking about, folks. Uh, and then she came out with the Wanderer, which is more of like a stripped down one. I haven't heard that one, so maybe mm. it's a good time to. Meow's a she, good time to catch up with the oh cat PR. <laughs> she came out with yeah, a coverage record hour. just last year. Um, oh yeah, yeah. She does like Frank Ocean and stuff. Yeah, I think uh, Pose. Uh, she does like a future song. Didn't she do an Iggy song? She's like fucking up some commas. Yeah, remember those um those like rap covers that like folk guys would do? <laughs> oh, oh like God, dynamite yeah. hack. Yeah, shit like that. <laughs> that was a Napster download. And then it was, sure. and then after that, it was like, and then it was like ukulele, like ladies, like on or YouTube that, doing that country like gin and juice song. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. 
Yikes. Boy. I think that was the gourds or something but like that. But who would have thought country now is just a shitty version of gin and juice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> All right. Cool. Right on. Uh, Cat Power, keep up the good work. We got first this week, Noah. Yeah, I got a game. It's called Know Your Indie Rock Animal. Oh, so I'll give you a, I'll give you a couple clues, and then you name the animal band name. Great. Okay, this band was formed in Sheffield, England, in two thousand two. Imagine Dragons. No, anybody, anybody. Sheffield. According to the Wikipedia, they have a fierce rivalry with Radiohead. Oh, because does Radiohead know that? Well, get this: Radiohead fired the first shots in this rivalry. Oh, Tom York said the only reason why this band is big is because mainstream music biz is made up of a bunch of retards. Oh, jeez! Did you say that R word? Yep. Well, this is what two thousand and what. Uh, it would have been like 2005 <laughs> yeah this was two weeks ago <laughs> it was like 2005 he would have said uh, still pretty bad yeah, yeah I, I don't know I, I all the things coming to mind is like the libertines but i know that's not right at all so well, an animal animal band alex turner is the singer does that ring any bells is there any other hints why am i not i know he's oh god it's arctic a, monkeys okay yeah there you go i was uh, gonna say cold primate there you have a rivalry with Radiohead. Wow. Well, no, it seems like it's one sided. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. So we don't we're not have to worry about the bracket. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, they're they're not going to go on the bracket. Well, they're not American, so. They're, they're oh, right, right. They right, don't okay. go on the bracket. Fuck. Arctic yeah. Monkeys were coming for the British American head or American yeah, the British. head Radiohead. <laughs> American head. <laughs> Sheffield, huh? Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. Anyways, sorry, you could bleep out the R word. But it wasn't my he word. Didn't, okay. He didn't bleep it out. I think you were, you were I think you, it's okay since you're quoting yeah. it. We don't but condone they, the use of that word. It could be all. taken out of context and then they'll pull a Clifford <laughs> yeah, on right. you. Like that movie Clifford. And Noah's like, I think blank R word, you know, <laughs> gets all chopped and screwed. Okay. This next band formed in Atlanta, a fellow Atlanta in the year 2001. It's also the name of a movie directed by Michael Cimino. Straw Dogs? No, that's no, Peck that's and Paw. Chimino's kind of a tough masculine director, though, right? It's it's the Chimino movie. Oh, Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter, yeah. Oh, see band my, that we've covered. See previous rant on Deer <laughs> Hunter. <laughs> yes. Okay, next band. I don't know who's winning. This is that's funny. We I never think, keep score in these games. I think it's, I, I, it's tied up all, all tied yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> right, this next band uh formed in Chicago in 2001. They had an answer album to a band we just covered, Interpol's Turn on the Bright Lights. They had an album called Turn the Lights Out. Oh, Animal band uh, from Chicago. Turn the the singer's name is Ben Bridwell. If that helps. Oh, I'll go. 
band they're, animal. They're, they're, they're a big the, one too. The, they never the got fleet big. foxes. No, no they're from they Seattle. Got, the other one. They never God got big. It. It's the um. It's it's a the something right. The small horses. The ponies. Band of the, horses. The ponies. Oh, small. Oh, okay, of course. Shit. My, was it? All right. Well, I, I set you up. The ponies. That band was always nipping at people's heels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nobody. You've Chomping never met armpits. a. You've never met a the ponies fan. Yeah. <laughs> I remember they had that album cover as much of like little kids wearing like skeleton masks. Yeah. Oh, man. Ripping off Halloween three. All right. Last one. Uh, Seattle, two thousand four. Band of horses, fleet boxes. <laughs> Which was it? Band of horses. Oh, we'll right, do them one of these days. Band of horses. Yeah, we gotta do everything. Yeah, everywhere all at once. Was Band of horses. Everything all the time. Which, isn't that a Radiohead lyric? Right. Band of horses definitely borrowed a lot from Cat Power. I would say. Yeah. They were built to spill too. Similar as a band, ch- channeling similar vibes. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's it. Remember, that's there's some other bands I'll throw out there. Cage the Elephant. Remember that? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're kind of like uh, anthematic, like a uh... boy and the bear. Mm-mm. Boy no. and bear. I don't remember them. No. Anyways, there's so many. I mean, a lot of we covered Modest Mouse. It's a bunch. Grizzlies, grizzly bears, grizzly bears. Wolf. Cool. Wolves all right, cool. That was that a fun was game. Cut that and, out. You know, speaking of games, I want our, our listeners out there to start thinking about bands that you would say are the American Radiohead and yeah. send us those bands' names. We're getting a fun little game, little bracket, little we're getting a little series together. It's still in its development stages, so we won't reveal too much in case it, it totally blows up in our faces. But what what is the American Radiohead to you? What bands do you know that have been called the American Radiohead of note? Send yes. it to us at our socials at Wacker Slaps or at Wacker Slaps, Wacker Slaps at gmail.com. Hit us up. Cool. Let's engage. Let's let's all be part of this interactive series that we'll have shortly. More details pending. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Caleb, what are we doing next? episode well for next episode you got to make sure you grease yourself up real nice and then get loaded on tequila and mexican brickweed (laughs) because we're getting down and dirty down south way and covering fres hombres by the holy triumvirate of texas rock and roll that's right zz top Ooh, it's enchilada night yep oh that spread (laughs) on that cover i'm about to bust that out Three amigos uh, meet this trace hombres, huh? Yeah, trace hombres, trace bad hombres. Uh, yeah, trace hombres. Uh, classic ZZ Top album. It's gonna be a part of our um, ongoing series. Our classics. It came out fifty years ago this year. Fifty years, my God. Um, that is a good time rock and roll album. I'll tell you that. Seventy three. So go dig that up. Year. It's not as hard to find as it used to be. Yeah, that was a Santa Maria Library record that yep. I always had. That's a good one. Um, yeah, so give that a listen and listen along with us. We'll have a new episode out a couple weeks from this one. So yeah, check it out. Uh, cool. Thrace hombres. Oh, and we're Thrace hombres. That's cool. Full circular. Um, That's true. Yeah. 
Well, thank you. It's been another great episode. Uh, thank you, Kiki, for our theme song. Thank you to Adrian for handling everything on the ones and twos. Thank you to Noah for your stellar content. Um, and thank you to you, our listeners. Um, you know, get at us at wackerslabs.com or on all the socials. That's Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Yeah, that's at Wackerslaps. And or you can email us at Wackerslaps at gmail.com. Let us know. American Radiohead, start thinking about it. <laughs> For Noah and I, Adrian, I'm Caleb, and this has been Wackerslaps. And same as every week. What made Milwaukee famous? Ooh, out of here. Adios. Bye.